When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast, and welcome to another World Cup group stage preview. Pete, we've made it all the way to Group G. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Um, I'm excited. We're recording this on a Monday, so we're officially in World Cup week because Sunday is that opening game, although technically Sunday is considered next week. But for me, I consider Sunday the end of the week. So for me, it's like this week is the World Cup, and I'm really psyched. And, you know, it's it's I always forget to introduce ourselves. I just assume everyone knows who we are. Like we're pretty much Joe Rogan in podcasts. Everyone. Just knows. <laughs> <laughs> we're just Joe Rogan. They just they just know who we are. I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> but yeah. Hi, I'm Filippo Silva. I'm joined by Pete Dowdit. We're both the co-hosts here. And today we have another group preview and that is group G. All right. And if you missed the other group previews and you want some information of every single national team, we've already done it. You can just check out on the podcast and drop a review if you'd like to. Group G, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. A little bit of a deja vu right there, isn't it, from 2018? Yeah, it feels very like are two or three of the same, right? Three of the same. Yeah, group. just replace Cameroon with, uh, with Costa Rica. So another C for a C, but Brazil, Switzerland, and Serbia were in the same exact group in 2018. Uh, and, and for me, my Brazilian side, even Cameroon is a bit of a deja vu, but that's from 2014. We were in the same group as them, too. So I feel like FIFA just gets lazy sometimes and they just draw the same groups together. I don't I don't know what happens. <laughs> kind of like the U.S. and Ghana. Remember, we always play Ghana. Always uh, Ghana. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but again, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon. And I think we can go. We can sort of start away right away with Brazil, but we can always come back to the national team. I think we talked about Brazil extensively already. Uh, probably the number one title contender of most people at this point. If they're not number one, they're top three of everyone alongside France and Argentina. Even though there's other nations for sure that have a good chance, but those are probably everyone's top three. And Brazil comes into this World Cup with more depth that, than they had since like 06, right? I think we saw a bit of a bad generation, bad by Brazil standards, right? Uh, a generation that would just make it to the quarterfinals in 2010. And then the the infamous 7-1 in 2014, where it was the semifinals. So technically, it's not that bad of a World Cup. But when you lose at home 7-1, it's pretty bad. And then yeah. 2018. Uh, 2018, I don't know about you. I know you follow Brazil enough that you know how they did in the World Cups. But I know you don't follow it as close as I do. But it almost felt like to me that 2018 was a little bit of that moment where Brazil was sort of starting to get it back, right? It looked The team looked competitive again. 
when you look back in 2014 and 2010, it was competitive in a global scale, but it wasn't a true title contender. While in 2018, there was reason to believe that Brazilian side had a chance of winning the World Cup. But you fast forward now to 2022, and this team just looks better in every single position. Do you uh, have the roster there? I can pull up the Brazilian roster. Maybe I can what I can what I can talk about here is maybe the Brazil roster from 2018 and compare it to the 2020. Right. Uh, so let me bring up the Brazil roster and we'll go through also the 2018 one. But before we do any of that, what are your first thoughts when you saw this Brazilian roster overall? While I pull it up. Almost no weaknesses. Maybe a little bit at fullbacks, but Every single person on this two, you know, this roster, all 26 of them, I'll have no worries about starting any of them in any game. The only exception might be Danny Alves against a very good opponent. Um, but even then, if your 26 man on your roster is Danny Alves, it's hard to complain. Yeah, and and I think even when we talk about, for example, the fullbacks being a weakness, right? That's the big argument here. Are they an actual weakness or it's just that the drop off between the fullbacks and and the midfielders, the center backs and the forwards is big? Because most of the fullbacks that are for Brazil, Dani Alves aside because he's too old, like they're players from the Premier League, from the Serie A. They're still players from top leagues. They're not scrubs, right? It's not like the drop off. The drop off is big, but they would be in most national team rosters in the World Cup. Yeah, it, when you talk about weakness, that's the weakest drop-off. Like, the biggest drop-off in their roster is from the first-choice fullbacks to the second-choice fullbacks. But if that's your biggest problem, and like you said, they're still playing at a high level, then that's really not that much of a problem. Like, it's just a matter of compared to the other positions where there's almost no drop-off, right, in some of these areas. Like, almost none. Like, what's the drop-off from... The goalkeepers, right? Manchester City started to Liverpool. Zero. Like, there's no drop-off there, really. No. So, you look, and again, you look across the team, the drop-off is is very little from the first choice to the second choice in almost every position. I guess this is a good time to bring up the, the roster that you just mentioned. The goalkeepers, Allison and Ederson. The Liverpool starting goalkeeper, the Man City starting goalkeeper. And then the third goalkeeper is Weverton from Palmeiras, which... He's pretty close to their level, too. He's the, been the best goalkeeper, undoubtedly, unarguably, in South America in the club level for four, six seasons. He was the goalkeeper for Brazil two Olympics ago when Brazil won the gold medal. Uh, reliable goalkeeper. But again, he probably won't play. You have Allison and Ederson ahead of him. The four center backs are Marquinhos, the starting center back from PSG. Militão, the starting center back from Real Madrid that just won the Champions League. Thiago Silva the starting center back for the best center back for Chelsea right now. And he also just won the champions league, not last season, the season before those are the, the three center backs. And then uh, who am I missing here? And Bremer Bremer from Juventus, uh, yeah. which he won the best center back in the Serie A last season for Torino. Uh, then fullbacks, which is where we talk about the drop off a little bit. You have Danilo, the, the right back for Juventus, Alex Telles, the left back for Sevilla, Alexandro, the left back from Juventus as well. And then you have also Dani Alves from Pumas. But Dani Alves was more or less included because of the expanded roster. He is literally there for what we call the same for Roldan. He's there for eyes and vibes. Yeah. Except for he's definitely more useful than Roldan for the roster. Yeah. Uh, like not so long ago, he was playing for Barcelona and La Liga. Definitely not the standard you want for Barcelona, but it's not like he was a scrub, right? No. It still works. 
and he's playing in Pachuca now, right? In Liga Pumas. MX. Pumas, Pumas, Pumas. Could this be the first time that Liga Mekis has a World Cup winner in their league? It would be the first time ever. It would be if Brazil win this, right? If Brazil wins it, it's the first time ever that a Liga Mekis players player wins the World Cup. Because usually most of the Liga Mekis players in the World Cup are just Mexican players, usually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going on at the roster so people can realize the depth here. And this is to me is probably the key of this roster to be successful. This Brazilian side is you have Casemiro and Fabinho, right? You have both of these guys <clears throat> in this roster. And when you look back in 2018, we had Casemiro and his backup was Fernandinho. And I know many remember Fernandinho from Man City. And they're going to talk about how good he was with Pep. I personally don't think he was that good, but that's fine. But Fernandinho for Brazil, I think the best way to put it is every time he would play, he would shit the bed. Every time. You go back yeah. to 2014. 2018, he scored an own goal against Belgium, and he left a massive hole in the midfield that I think even led to KDB's first goal because Casemiro was suspended for that game. And I think if Casemiro wasn't suspended in 2018... Brazil's odds of eliminating Belgium would have been much higher. I think they would have because Brazil actually dominated that second half that they lost 2-1. But now if Casemiro is out for an injury or a card, it's what you were talking about. What is the drop-off between Casemiro and Fabinho? Is there a drop-off? I personally think there is a little bit. I prefer Casemiro, but I don't think it's anything that the team will actually feel. Yeah, yeah. Not, it's just not a significant drop-off. No. And then you go on to the midfield, you still have Bruno Guimarães from Newcastle, probably one of the best midfielders in the Premier League this season, leading Newcastle up to third place right now. Going to the break, they're sitting in third, and yeah. Bruno Guimarães is probably the probably their most important player. And then you go on Fred, that is a weak link, possibly, even though he's not as bad as people try to portray him to be. I think he's a weaker link than the fullbacks. He is an actual problem in the midfield. Um then you have Lucas Paqueta from West Ham, very technical, 10, great player. Everton Ribeiro, one of the best midfielders in Brazil in the Brazilian league. He made the roster. And then the forwards. And I think, would you say the forwards is where it's stacked the most? Yeah, just speaking from a USMNT perspective, it's like our striking options are so minimal compared to they, you know, to who Brazil has. And it's like you just look at it with so much jealousy, you know. Would any USMNT player make the Brazilian roster so far from what you're seeing here? Maybe a guy like Pulisic or McKinney over Fred, but that's it. Yeah, but the amount of... I think Pulisic, the odds are extremely low because of the amount of forwards you already have in this roster. Uh, it wouldn't right, be it depends Fred. where you want to play him. So yeah. then maybe more likely like a McKinney or a Reina over Fred. But that's... That's a maybe. That's not a certainty either, right? Yeah, and Reyna would come in more as like the prospect that they bring on looking into the future mainly. Probably wouldn't see the field. Kind of like how Kakao was in 2002. Was there, didn't play. Yeah. Uh, McKenney, I could see him fighting for a spot there with Fred. Even though USMNT fans might hate to hear this, but McKenney and Fred, the level is not that far, all right? Even though people no, like to no. troll about Fred. It's because we put Fred on that Brazilian Man United player standard, and that's really not his level. But there are games like I, I personally think that Fred is better than McKinney on the ball. Dribbling, passing, he's better than Weston. But then Weston has many other things to his game that are far better than Fred. Uh, and Weston knows how to play to his level, while Fred, everyone's expecting him to have that Brazilian flair, and he doesn't really have any of that. Would Serginho Dest 
make this team over Danny Alves? No, because Danny Alves is not there because of his skill, right? And the level he's playing right now. Right. And wasn't it, wasn't it kind of like Neymar pushed for Danny Alves to be included? Is that we true? Don't, we don't know, right? We don't know because they're never going to talk about that. But what we do know is that it could be. They're very close friends, right? And I think it's a little bit of Chi-Chi too because in 2018, Danny Alves missed the World Cup. He was called in, but he got injured right before the World Cup. And that kind of hurt the team too. We had to play Fagner and Fagner kind of sucked. And it really hurt the team because he was a leader. And I felt like it was a little bit of Chi-Chi wanting to keep him close or have a group guy there, like an eyes and vibes guy. And I mean, having a guy with World Cup experience, Barcelona experience, Champions League winner as eyes and vibes makes sense, right? Because going back to the United States, when we talk about Rodan, the question we ask about Rodan is, okay, he's a group guy, but do players like Reyna, Pulisic, um, do they look up to Christian Rodan, right? They respect him for sure because he's a great guy, but they lo- do they look up to him? And I think the answer no, is no. No, of course not. Now, many players in the Brazilian roster do look up to Dani Alves. I think even Neymar looks up to Dani Alves, right? An older player. So there's a difference between bringing an eyes and vibes guy like Dani Alves and bringing an eyes and vibes guy like Christian Rodan. Of course, there's different standards because also Dani Alves would be in the United States roster probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he better to be. Play. To probably uh, play. Question I mean. for you: Who are the guys that were close but you think missed out? Like who are just to drop down to the next level of like talent? Who are some of the guys that could have made it but just missed out? On the right back? No, in Brazil's roster at all. Oh, roster. So Bobby Firmino for sure. He had a good chance of making. He was in 2018. He was the backup of Gabriel Jesus, and he's been playing well for Liverpool. Scoring goals this season. He didn't make it. Uh, I guess Gabriel Magalhães, the center back from Arsenal, he didn't make it. Um, Ibanez that plays in the Serie A a good center back too didn't make it uh, Dodo the right back from Fiorentina I was expecting even though Chichi never called him so I didn't expect him to be there but it almost felt like with the lack of depth in the right back that he had a chance he's another one that misses out uh, I'm trying to think Guilherme Arana is a left back from Atletico Mineiro in Brazil that won the league last year he could have made it there in the left back a Brazilian league player those are the first one. I guess Mateus Cunha is another one that misses out, the center forward from Atletico Madrid. We could keep going on here for a while. Douglas Luiz from Aston Villa didn't make it. Uh, there, he was in the Olympic team, so there was like a slight chance he could have made it, but not really. There's, I think a Brazil B team is still a team to hit the knockout rounds of the World Cup, a B team, if we put up. Uh, definitely yeah. not a title contender. No, but that's still crazy if you look at the guys who missed out from the World Cup. Like... Our biggest misses from the World Cup were probably, let's say, Ricardo Pepe, right? Mm-hmm. Good striker for Groningen. Maybe Jordan Pifok, a guy who's now a sub for Union Berlin, and then a sub for Benfica, John Brooks. Those are probably the three biggest guys who missed out. And then Chris Richards, but that's because of injury. He would be there if he was healthy. But just look at the difference there, you know? Yeah, the, the, the Brazilian B team would be expected to go further than the United States' A team. It would be expected. Uh, just by mainly the players you look at. But going to answer a question that you asked, you said, what about the 2018 roster? So when you look at the 2018 roster, Allison was the goalkeeper, still him, but now I think he's much more mature, more experienced, a better goalkeeper, even though he was already world-class. Oh, Allison is not their starter? Mm, it might be Allison. 
it could be either one. We've seen we've seen Chichi go with either one. Uh, even in World Cup qualifying, Weverton played a few. Like I think it's going to be Allison. I think. Okay. Uh, but but again, it, it goes back to what you said. Does it matter? Not really. Yeah, it won't matter. Uh, the right back in 2018, uh, going back all the way to 2018, it was either Fagner or Danilo because Dani Alves was cut. So Danilo's there again with the World Cup experience now. I think Danilo got injured in the World Cup because Fagner started to play, and Fagner was terrible. Uh, he played in 2018. Then the left back was Marcelo, which Marcelo is probably one of the most gifted left backs of all time, but he's also one of the biggest liabilities at the left back position of all time. Unless you have someone to cover for him, he's pretty much a wing, a winger playing at the left back position. Yeah. And a winger um, who doesn't like to track back at all. (laughs) Yep. And, and I think this Brazilian roster that we're looking into here doesn't really need that because there's so many forwards that can do that job. You don't need a fullback that just bombs forward and attacks and never tracks back. You'd rather almost have a center back play as a, a fullback, which comes down to that thing that we talked about, how Eder Militão might be a right back for Brazil in the World Cup. But in 2018, the two center backs were Thiago Silva and Miranda. So that is a major drop off from Thiago Silva and Marquinhos. Marquinhos was on the bench at that time. So Marquinhos will start. And even the backups, Bremer and uh, Thiago Silva, Bremer, Oh, my God, who's the other center back that I just said and I forgot to name him? Militão. Uh, Militão. Oh, my God, because I, I mentioned him on the fullback. They're all better than Miranda. So even the backups, that's a major upgrade right there at the center back plus the depth. And then the six was Casemiro and him alone, essentially, right? Because Fernandinho was the backup and Fernandinho was not good for the national team. Then the midfield had Paulinho, which he wasn't that good. He was like a Fred-like player. Um, yeah, yeah. And then possibly who we're going to add there will be Paqueta or or uh, or what's the name? Bruno Guimarães. I'm hoping Fred won't start. If Fred starts, we'll probably be in trouble with that at least. And then the 10 for Brazil in 2018 was Felipe Coutinho, which is a great player uh, at the time, probably even world class. But the 10 for this World Cup is going to be Neymar. Yeah. So that's yeah. an upgrade. Also, no Vini Jr. and Rodrigo. No Rodrigo, no Rodrigo, no Vini Jr., no Rafinha, no Anthony. And yeah. we also had no lefty winger, right? Tactically, that helps Chichi with the inverted wingers that cut inside. So you have Rafinha and Anthony, who played on the right side of the field for us in 2018, was William from Chelsea. That's and right. Do- Douglas Costa was off the bench, but he also got injured at one point. I remember he wasn't available for a few games. So, and then we had Tyson that played in Ukraine. Um, yeah. So, you look at this team, the Brazilian side, Brazil's starting 11 is stronger than 2018. I wouldn't say by too much. It's stronger in like two or three positions. But the bench is better in every single position possible. And right. I think bench got is- more quality depth than they did last time, basically. Yeah, and Chichi has an, a World Cup experience. And I think it looks to me, because I remember you said this months ago, that when you looked into Brazil months ago, you said that your main concern was Neymar. Yeah, And I want to ask you, is Neymar still a concern to you? Because he looks like he's fairly focused right now. Looks very serious yeah. about it. Yeah, I said the only thing that could derail them was if if Neymar wasn't going to be a team player, if he was just there to have fun, party, go clubbing, then that could derail Brazil. But it doesn't look that way. Also, Qatar is not the best place to go partying and clubbing. Yeah. Someone so, told him probably. Yeah, so it's, I, I mean, I'm with you now. I mean, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm like... If I had to put money on one team to win this World Cup, it would be Brazil. 
Well, and, and not just that too. We're seeing him being serious with PSG, right? He looks like a serious player. That's a professional. Something that throughout his career, we've always questioned his professionalism. Is Neymar actually focused? Does he care? It looks like he... I, I mean... I would not want to be a PSG fan right now because Neymar post World Cup, who the heck knows what they're going to get after that. But during the World Cup, it seems like he is entirely focused. He wants to win this. He is aware that it's probably his last World Cup, even though he's not that old. He's 30. But I think what happens is he doesn't take care of himself very much. And he's seen this Brazilian generation come up. And he probably knows that he won't be here in 2026. And if he's there in 2026, I don't know if he'll be a starter for Brazil, despite all the talent, despite being a generational talent, which I'm going to continue to say this. Neymar is as good as Ronaldinho was. People might hate to hear this, but it is true. He's as good as Ronaldinho was. Speaking of the 2026 roster, what are the chances you think Endrick is in that roster? It's reasonable. He'll be 20. Um, we're seeing clubs in Europe already say that they want him playing at age 18. It's going to depend how long it'll take for Endrick to he's gonna go to a big club in Europe when he's in 18 that is said and done it's just a matter of which club it looks like it's gonna be Real Madrid how long will it take for him to break out right Vinicius and Rodrigo it took them three seasons uh to break right. out there if right. he'll have if he moves when he's 18 that means he'll have two seasons to break out if he can do it earlier he'll probably make the roster especially because he's a center forward Pete and look at our center forwards right it's Gabriel Jesus Richarlison and Pedro. They're all young uh, enough that they're going to be in their prime in the next World Cup, but it's not like a Neymar, right? That you're like, nah, right, Vin- right. he doesn't have to beat Vinicius Jr. or Neymar. He has to beat one of those three and possibly other young guys coming up to make it. So I think it's possible. Uh, I, I, if you ask me if he's going to be a starter, I'd say probably not, but be there, it's possible. It's going to depend on how he breaks out for whatever big club he lands. Yeah, um, yeah as a 16 year old but enough of brazil let's hear it from our sponsor real quick and then let's talk about the other teams in this group because they are actually brazil steals the spotlight in this group but serbia switzerland and cameroon are quite interesting teams in the world cup but before we get to there to that thank you DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast nba fans the nba action is just getting started and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba new customers can make any five dollar nba pregame money line bet and get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins so they'll bet on the lakers so download now DraftKings sportsbook app and use the promo code tbpn make any five dollar bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code TBPN. Once again, thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast, and thank you for using the code TBPN. Pete, moving forward here, uh, now Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Which which one do you want to dive in first? Let's go with Serbia. I have Switzerland, Switzerland. Okay, so Switzerland. It seems like Switzerland... Uh, you you know more about Swiss. So let me give it the mic to you now. Go ahead. Yeah. So this Switzerland team is still a very, very good team. I think it's the strongest Switzerland team that we've seen in a long time. And not just that, it's a team that's played together for a long, long time. Just to give you an idea about some of their key players. Obviously, there's Granit Xhaka from Arsenal, who everybody knows. But even their center backs are very strong. Nico Elvedi, center back for um, Munchen Gladbach, starting center back. Fabian Schar, starting center back for Newcastle. Jan Sommer will be their goalkeeper. He's the Gladbach goalkeeper. 
their number two goalkeeper is Dortmund's keeper, right? That's the level. Ricardo Rodriguez, the center back for Torino, is also there. Uh, Irai Comer, center back for Valencia. Like the level of center back talent that the Switzerland team has is very good. And then you still have Manuel Akanji as well. But then when you go further forward, Brio Embolo, uh, the forward winger from Monaco, who used to be in Gladbach, Gibral Sao, midfielder for Frankfurt, Noah Okafor from uh, RB Salzburg. It's not as strong going forward as some of their previous. I mean, they still have Shakiri there, let's be honest. Anybody who watched Shakiri in Chicago this year has got to be like, this guy ain't it. And it's, it's different. But defensively, they're stronger than they ever were. Seferovic will probably start for them. He's not like an amazing player, but he's still a solid guy. So they're going to be hard to beat. They're going to be hard to break down, especially with Xhaka. Right? Well, yeah, it could be also be Noah Okafor. I'm not sure. I think he could go Seferovic also. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what he does. Their coach, Murat Yakin. But this is going to be a tough team to break down because they're going to play a 4-2-3-1. So whoever's in that back four is going to be top players. And then they're going to be protected by Granit Xhaka and Freuder. So it's going to be tough, I think, to break down this Switzerland team, even if they're not as good going forward. And so we're going to talk about Serbia as well. The thing with Switzerland is Serbia and Switzerland would be the underdog stories of the World Cup or, or this group, a few of them. And usually when you're an underdog, for example, facing Brazil, you need to have strong defense. And yeah. it seems like Switzerland always has that. They knocked out France in the the, the Euros, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and yeah. Switzerland also was the one that got out of the group with Italy in World Cup qualifying. So this team's not a joke. It'll cause trouble to Brazil, to Serbia, to any team. They went through last time, right? Switzerland tied Brazil 1-1 in the 2018 World Cup. They tied Brazil there. Yeah. So this team is tough to beat, and they're always going to be tough. And th the thing with them is they're good in defense. They have amazing defenders, like you just mentioned, all the names, and they're good in transition. You have Ebolo. You also have Noah Okafor. Yeah. You have players that are dangerous in transition, and that's what you need when you are the lesser team, when you're the smaller team that you're facing. I, I think the Switzerland team can cause trouble and will cause trouble. I don't know if you want to add anything else, because I wanted to transition to Serbia and Switzerland. I want to talk to them almost together, because... It sort of seems like me that... Yeah, they are. The only thing, last thing I'll say about Switzerland is that Shakiri used to carry them a lot in the past, but they didn't have Mbolo. So even though there is a bit of a drop-off with Shakiri now, um, honestly, he doesn't look very fit to me, uh, but Mbolo is, was not there. Or if he was there, he was not their star player. I think Brio Mbolo is going to have a breakout tournament for the, in the World Cup. But yeah, let's go to Switzerland. Uh, Serbia, Serbia. I'm sorry, Serbia, yeah. So the way you describe Serbia, Switzerland is great defense, okay offense, right? They Not okay. They, they have to work as a team on offense to make things happen. Now, when we talk about Serbia, it's world-class forwards, right? Their, their front two is probably going to be Vlahovic and Mitrovic, even though some news here for anyone listening to this right now, both of them are questionable for the first game against Brazil, Vlahovic and Mitrovic. So... If that happens, that changes a lot the dynamic of this group. If those two are not fully fit for Serbia, it's a massive game changer. If one of them is not fit, it's already bad enough. Now, if you don't have both of them, it's pretty big, especially at the level that both of them are playing right now. Serbia, on the other hand, their main issue is defense, right? 
they have the players to score goals, get goals, and they made it to the World Cup uh, going through knocking out Portugal, right? That that was their group. They got through Portugal. Sure, there was that that fake goal that helped them or if whatever happened in that play against Portugal, but they made it to the World Cup in Portugal's group. A lot thanks to how much talent they have up top. And, a, and an underrated midfielder in Savic, right, from Lazio. That's another great player they have and many others. But that defense is Sasa Lukic for Torino. He's a mid, midfielder. Uh, of course, we can't forget about uh, their goalkeeper, Dimitrovic from Sevilla, mm-hmm. right? Another very good player. And then Filip Kostic, the left winger for Juve. Like, that attack is fierce. And they have young guys. Stalinia Pavlovich, center back for RB Leipzig. That might be their best defender right now, but he's still very young. Um, there's also Ivan Ilic from Hellas Verona, another midfielder. But again, it's a little weak on, on center backs, and that might be the problem for them. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know what to think about Serbia. I had them as one of my underdogs before. My only concern with having that bet is that usually underdogs have a very solid defense. That's how they make it far because they are the lesser yeah. teams. And it looks almost like even though they have all that talent, sometimes we get caught up with all the talent they have up top, Vlahovic and Mitrovic. But it almost seems like Switzerland, I still am going to bet on Serbia pulling through and getting out of the group. But if they don't have Vlahovic and Mitrovic against Brazil, I'm expecting a loss. And then if they can't play against Brazil, are they going to be 100% for their next match? Yeah. So if they're not 100%, I don't know what to think. I that That's going to affect them quite a bit, right? Also, um, if Switzerland beats Cameroon in that opening game and Serbia loses to Brazil, then you're talking about just the mental edge that Switzerland goes, okay, we already have three points and they can play it a little safer. They can focus on defense against Brazil and against Serbia and try to get draws, right? If once you collect three points, two draws is enough and you're 100% through. One draw is enough, you might still go through. So just the mental edge of like Serbia with zero points and two not fit strikers trying to play catch up in the last two games, I think it's going to be tough. So what about Cameroon? Um, what do you have for us on that? So Cameroon still has some talent. I don't think the talent that they have is the same level as Switzerland and Serbia, but some of their key players, Andre Onana from Inter Milan, the goalkeeper, that at least is good. Andre Frank Anguisa, the uh, defensive midfielder from Napoli. Everybody should know by now, Eric Choupo-Moting used to play for Paris Saint-Germain, now plays for Bayern Munich. Brian Umbueno, the winger from Brentford, right, 23 years old. And then Carl Toko Ekambi. Uh, who is the winger for Olympic Lyon. So they have some talent, but after that, the drop-off is pretty high. The only young guy that might be interesting to watch is Christopher Wu from uh, Rene. He's the center back from Rene. Young guy, though, 20, might not even start for them. Out of interest, they have two MLS guys in this roster, Oliver Mbizo, the Philadelphia Union right back. People should remember him from this last year. And then Nuhu Tolo, the crazy left back from the Sounders, who you just don't know what you're going to get from him. He could be amazing. He could be awful. It's He's kind of an inconsistent guy, but very talented as well. But if you look at most of their roster, those five would be the key players to watch. I don't know if this Cameroon team really has a shot to go through. I'd say 10% chance to go through. I, I'm predicting Cameroon to finish bottom of the group. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to go with that too. 
not just for the current roster, but historically Cameroon doesn't do that well in World Cups anyway. So just add all that together. And they were placed in a tough group, man. Like they're going to be in a group with Switzerland, Serbia, and Brazil. They play – so Cameroon faces Switzerland in the first game. And I guess pretty they faced Brazil in the last match. Um, those are the two key games for them. It all depends on how they do. If they don't get four points against Switzerland and Serbia, they're out. Simple as that. Yeah, pretty much. What do you think the chances are if Brazil is qualified for that third game that they're going to rest a lot of players? It's big. It's big. But if you look at Brazil's bench, it's still better than Serbia and Switzerland. And, and those guys on the bench will have something to prove, right? They're exactly. going to want to play in the knockout. So they'll it be- might be worse. It might be worse for Cameroon because they are going to want to get minutes in the knockout round. So they're going to go all in. That's so true. my prediction for this group is Brazil in first, Serbia second, even though I'm contradicting myself sort of because I was saying that Switzerland are have higher odds of making it far because of their defense. I think Serbia this time will get the revenge. They lost to Switzerland 2-1 last World Cup, and that's essentially what knocked them out, right? That's yeah. what got Switzerland through. So I'm going to say Serbia will get the revenge. They'll beat Switzerland. Uh, I'm 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 also assuming Vlahovic and Mitrovic will be able to play, okay? If they're out, that changes my prediction completely. Those are yeah. two players that if they're out. So I'll go Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. I think another guy we quickly forgot to mention from Serbia is Dusan Tadic from Ajax. Very experienced, probably going to be their captain. Um, but somebody to watch as well. Plays left wing, left wing back, depending on how you know they use him. And Pete, I think that does it for Group G, right? Yep, that's it. That's it. One more group to go, Group H, that will drop next week on Tuesday because none of the group H teams will have played by Tuesday. So the timing kind of works out pretty well. Yeah. So we'll drop the last group stage preview on the week that the world cup will have already started. And then during the world cup, we're not going to make any promises. We'll be focused more on the YouTube channels, but expect the podcast once a week at some point, we're going to try to work with our schedules. Maybe it won't be on a Tuesday. We'll try our best to keep it consistent, but it really depends on what's happening, right? We're going to have to take one day at a time. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Don't forget to drop a review before you go. Thank you very much, and bye-bye.